0: What is K-pop to you? Because in the academic literature, people argue all the time about what is K-pop and how you define it and things like that. So just for you, I guess, as a starting point, what is K-pop?
1: Personal information, but I was born on, born in 1997. So I wasn't there to experience the 90s K-pop that people refer to as old school K-pop, you know? Mm. So all I know is, you know, faint memories of K-pop from the, the 2000s. So uh, to me, K-pop, musically speaking, I believe developed its distinct sound and melody structure around, I would say, late 2000s. I would say 2007 to 2009. That is when I think musically K-pop starts sounding different from J-pop. And I can say this because I was also a rabid fan of J-pop as well. Musically speaking, it's the bubbly teen pop that a lot of people would think of when they hear the word K-pop. Linguistically speaking, its lyrics being in Korean would qualify it as K-pop to a lot of people. But that's recently changing and the spectrum is getting broader because more idol groups who are totally um, Korean or have other um, Asian national members releasing songs that are completely In English, in terms of lyrics. Mm. So that's blurring the category more. Speaking of broad categories, now I think just qualifying for one of the following should make it K pop is one lyrics are in Korean, but the performer is based in Korea. You know, they appear on music shows on Korean television channels. So someone random, let's say in the United States, just singing a song in korean say the person's ethnicity is not korean and releasing it and is not based in korea i wouldn't say that's k-pop second category would be if the artist is of korean nationality or descent or the group is with a majority member of korean nationality or descent and it can also obviously involve non-korean members Mm -hmm. right yeah Uh, the the category is going all over the place but you know for me the bottom line is the artist to release the music has to be primarily based in Korea.
0: Makes a lot of sense. So even if they're not Korean, they might be like Lisa or the the the, the members from different groups that are from different Asian countries. Just before we go into that, Haley, mm-hmm. you you mentioned that there was k-pop finding its own sound distinguishing itself from j-pop you know in in, during the 2000s what was it doing musically then like how how could you explain that process when it started finding its own maybe characteristics what was happening then in your in your view
1: Mm, well i'll have to you know briefly start with uh basically the very first history of k-pop as we know it Mm the very beginning was the korean performers hired to perform on american military bases Mm -hmm. and they were heavily influenced by what the american gis wanted performed at their clubs and whatnot you know american jazz especially towards the 90s black music and black culture started influencing k-pop a lot Mm -hmm. almost to the cultural appropriation level i Uh, i would call it when i look back on videos from that era if you listen to k-pop from the 90s like god or like old school rappers like yunmire Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it pretty much sounds like just you know mc hammer yeah and then um after the 2000s mark i would say it heavily benchmarked j-pop j-pop idol tune specifically Mm -hmm. the melody structure was a bit um trotty if you know what i mean It, it kind of had this you know. Japanese feel of a melody that you wouldn't hear from uh you know American pop song structure. Mm-hmm. And after I would say the 2007-2008-2009 mark which a lot of the big old school K-pop groups who are still active debuted, they started releasing songs that are um different in terms of melody and structure from J-pop as far as I believe. Mm-hmm certain notes that you use when you compose a song Mm. that gives that certain trot slash j-pop vibe those got fainter after the 2007 mark i believe especially with um the emergence of big bang the boy band yeah after that really i think no even from the instrumentals no one would really confuse j-pop from k-pop if they're remotely interested in the
0: field. It's a really interesting development. I completely agree about early K-pop sounding like elements of, let's say, American music, like Sotaji sounds so much like Cypress Hill at times. And when it starts making its own thing, when you talk about Big Bang coming in, what I kind of associate with K-pop, and I'd love to get your take on this, is kind of a schizophrenic approach to structure. And I don't use that word negatively, but sometimes in western music you can you can understand where the song's going to go the bridge and the chorus they're all kind of predictable but sometimes mm-hmm. what k-pop does best for me is 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 it's kind of weird in its structure and it does these <laughs> unpredictable things i mean espers doing that to a huge degree at the moment it's like 10 songs in one but what's your take on that sort of structure element of it hayley
1: i could do a whole separate podcast on Espa, but yeah to go back to the you know new k-pop sounds that I think started in 2007 I'm silently laughing because I think the word schizophrenic is just perfect Mm. you know um, I went to elementary school in the UK Mm -hmm. so when I came back to Korea I started listening to what my friends were listening to and what was popular among them and the songs are just like randomly out towards like in the middle of the song, someone who's probably not qualified to rap just starts rapping <laughs>
2: yeah. for
1: about 10 seconds and it's just gone. And then just like a whole new like then there's like a keychain and there's like a ballad segment in the middle of a dance track. And I was like, what is going on? I think that is also the part of the um sound change because actually to this day, I believe J pop idol tracks, they have a structure, you know, they also have random, you know, elements of rap sometimes what i noticed from j-pop is the idol songs all follow a very formulaic structure and then k-pop is they have like a rap member and they just come in for 15 seconds and then they leave the track especially the sound of k-pop starts a new phase after the 2012 mark when a lot of these big entertainment firms started hiring interestingly enough composers from northern europe you know Mm -hmm. like sweden who write these deep club trap tracks Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, if when FX released uh, Electric Shock in 2012, I remember reading a Korean article about how unconventional it was because it was impossible to sing along to it at a karaoke, which was a big element in a K-pop song success. People singing along to it in karaoke. No one's going to be able to sing Electric Shock well in karaoke because the beat is just like deep club, you know, these sizzling beats that just you know stop in the middle stuff like that so yep. in in a way borrowing your words i would say k-pop has been getting increasingly schizophrenic over the years that's one way to put it
0: i think that's a good thing as well though i mean it because it makes it sound unique and it's giving us something oh, yeah, that we, yeah. we don't have elsewhere you mentioned very briefly uh like fx yeah i can hear that club sound in in what they do you mentioned briefly like big bang and their influence i mm-hmm. i i mean sometimes when we think about big bang we it, it's the surrounding scandals now that we think oh, yeah. of but um it like turned uh, into
1: a crime ring but
0: yeah i know and and that shouldn't be taken lightly i don't mean to to make light of it but at sure. the time um with like g dragon and the music and the the aesthetic that he was doing and everything it seemed really kind of you know radical and very impressive it was hugely influential what was your take on the the arrival and emergence of Big Bang on the industry and sort of G-Dragon and and the other members as well.
1: I mentioned Big Bang um, when I mentioned the 2007 transition of the sound of K-pop, even if they turn into a crime ring and they're just like rampant criminals, um, most of them anyway. Hmm. um, I I think there's no doubt that Big Bang just completely changed things for K-pop in terms of music and aesthetic, mannerism, everything, really. Like what a K pop star looks like and acts like.
0: There's always this idea that if something's contemporary, it must be new. But what I saw, you know, the Mm. Big Bang members doing with their aesthetics, with their visuals, with the way they would dress and, and present themselves, we saw it later with sort of Temin and more androgyny coming in and sort of gender bending and playing with sexuality right, and aesthetics. Right. But, you know, I saw elements of that in in Big Bang, and I thought it was very interesting But they sometimes get left out of that conversation for, for those reasons that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, I think they really get left out of the conversation because no one really wants to talk about them anymore for the um, social controversy they've been causing. Speaking of gender vending, they were the original gender vendors, really, with the men wearing a lot of accessories and, you know, really putting effort into style
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and wearing these neon pastel colors, which was, I'm pretty sure even Koreans called that gay, you know, no offense to the derogatory connotation of the word. I'm pretty sure even Koreans back then who were not used to the K-pop style as we know it today thought it was just abnormal. And then if you think about the original female gender benders they were to anyone and when they debuted they were literally called the female big bang coming
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mean, from
1: the same agency but also you know in terms of style so yeah og gender benders big bang and to anyone
0: <laughs> that's a very good line really. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so where is k-pop now so you you've given a brief little sort of overview of where it started the break from j-pop the arrival of Uh, groups, the influence of Northern European writers, and and, uh, where is is K-pop now, do you think?
1: I think in terms of popularity, especially global popularity, it is at a peak, and I I think we're going to see a higher peak in the future, definitely. Mm -hmm. but how strong will that Korean sense of identity like going to be in the future? That is a big question I have. And I really want to find out in the future. A lot of people say, oh, K-pop is still a niche in the West, right? Actually, K-pop is a niche in Korea. And I think a really good metaphor is when we think about um, about 10 years ago, Justin Bieber, before he hit puberty and One Direction, where everyone in America and the UK you know, listening to their music and thinking positively of them? Not really, right? Right. A set group of really dedicated fans were listening to them. And just like that, um, K-pop, short for Korean pop, it's still really listened to by a dedicated, primarily young fan base, even in Korea. Mm -hmm. Ironically, I think we're seeing it today at this very moment, so it's not even ironic, but the fan base of Korean pop will get much bigger abroad while the Korean ethnic korean fan pool will stay steady in terms of numbers
0: this is really interesting to me because when i when i teach Hallyu at university courses and things many of the international students they they're huge fans of the groups you know Uh, they're Mm. card-carrying members of of various um things but the korean students are all listening to selena gomez and uh, charlie Puth, and you know international so there's this crossover happening that i find really Mm. fascinating that people are attracted to the to the other one
1: i know a lot of koreans who just don't listen to any songs in other languages just in general
2: Mm. uh
1: there's obviously pop stars are still Largely popular in Korea. There's also Koreans who don't listen to the K-pop idols, but listen to bands. You know, like Amu, like the borderline K-pop,
2: mm.
1: or other bands like Hanabi. You know, less considered less idolish, right? Yep. And I have been thinking about why um, international fans tend to be more loyal as fans. And I think it's actually the same reason that Big Bang is getting condoned more by foreign fans because they tend to stay loyal. More com- more so compared to Korean fans. I think there's the exotic factor is something that we can't ignore. Sometimes yeah. it's kind of um, it's like it's the elephant in the room because it's you know it's associated with fetishization, yeah. which to a degree it is true. But we tend to be more fascinated, you know, infatuated with stuff that seems exotic and different to us. You know, I can like, let's say. Um, Korean pottery, traditional pottery from the Joseon dynasty. I, I like it, I think it's beautiful, but it, mm-hmm. because I grew up with it and it's so normal to me, I'm not infatuated by it. But then I see a lot of Japanese people just absolutely infatuated by Korean pottery and I've met them in person mm-hmm. and they can't stop talking about Korean pottery, right? So I think infatuation really happens um, happens with something that feels foreign different to us, not yeah. something local.
0: I completely agree with that. And, and you know, sometimes we define ourselves. I grew up always trying to look for music that no one else was listening to. You know, there's also that kind of hipster <laughs> element. We want to be cool, you know, we want to define right. ourselves with these things. Yeah, it's very natural. When you talked about the loyalty of the fans, and of course, mm. all fans are different, right? So when we talk about K-pop fans, every fan will be a fan for different reasons. And, and that's obviously clear. But when you talk about the loyalty, Is it, why do you think they're more loyal? I mean, is that because they're not as aware of what's happening in Korea or is there, why do you think that is, Hailey?
1: I think um, what you just said is a big factor. They're not really quite aware of the gravity of the situation either because they don't have access to original news in Korean Mm -hmm. or they just don't perceive it as, that big of an issue culturally sometimes when it's not a legal issue necessarily for um instance um as we speak there's an actor named kim sun ho who has been in a really um popular tv series yeah and he has been quote unquote canceled in korea because he admitted to forcing an ex-girlfriend to have an abortion now um i had to write short articles about him and i went into his instagram page and it's just completely full of um english and other southeast asian languages supporting the guy, while the very few Korean comments in between are expressing disappointment. And I thought it was just one of the examples of the foreign fans being more loyal. This might cross some people the wrong way, but I think a big part is fetishization. Like this just overzealous idealization of a um, foreign man slash foreign woman, right? It's not evil. We tend to think of, especially members of the opposite sex, as more exotic and more attractive right in many cultures right mm-hmm. it might get weird but I think a lot of those fans who condone you know let's say just um, a convicted racist or someone who literally pressured his girlfriend to have an abortion and just run away after giving two million right. one that, that, that person trash you shouldn't condone that person but people saying that you did nothing wrong we're going to protect you until the end stay strong I think the only explanation is that You know, you became infatuated with this celebrity that's easy enough already to get infatuated with. But this time there's the exotic factor. And you also don't have the news in the original language. And you also don't get the cultural gravity of what he or she did wrong, often a he. And that just creates the dumpster fire.
0: Let me ask you if Uh, I can um, about this kind of fetishization that goes on. I just mm -hmm. want to touch on it a little bit because um, I would say, Well, I want to hear your opinion on it. Is that part of the K-pop package, though, that sort of entertainment companies and and idols, K-pop artists, they sell this kind of relationship to the fans in the way that they talk, in their actions, by Mm -hmm. by remaining single, you know, in the public eye. How do you view that as part of sort of a K-pop package that they give to fans and they encourage that kind of relationship?
1: Yeah, um, I wrote a recent article about this, Bobby of Boy Band Icon, uh, mm. announced that his uh, girlfriend is pregnant and everyone was shocked and it turns out the baby is due next month, as people read into the handwritten letter. Um, a lot of people were um, shocked or disappointed, which I don't really understand what's going behind the fans' minds when they're heavily disappointed by someone else about to give birth or start a family. Mm. And it all boils down to a paramanic feeling that the fans have, right? And what I wrote at the time, you know, also quoting a lot of the other experts, is that it's easier to just dismiss those fans as, you know, they're crazy, they think they're dating the celebrity or something like that. Mm. But I think a lot of the stars who do face controversy when they start um, personal, actual romantic relationships, they're not completely innocent. Of course, they shouldn't, you know, face hate comments or like death threats for living their life. But mm-hmm. they're also partially responsible for selling the pair romantic fantasy. And to be completely honest, if they actually had you know pure musical talent that can't be replaced, they can't be replaced by just another pretty face or a pretty uh, boy face. Fans won't care if they date or get married. Um, and I thought of an example as I'm a fan of The Weeknd and. You know, the weekend, he's a stud, but he's not a, he's not exactly known to be a pretty boy. Right. And that's not the reason behind his popularity. Right. Have you ever seen anyone get dressed that he was dating someone?
0: Yeah, but that's the thing. And that's why I'm curious about it, because, you know, you mentioned Bobby okay. and there was there was Chen from XO. And mm-hmm. that all kicked off last year. And 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 we we kind of grow up or I grew up thinking it was really natural for pop stars because they're at the peak of their physical attractiveness sometimes or or they're insanely talented and we see them going through all these relationships in the West. But in Korea, it's completely different. And I'm curious about where it comes from, why it's still maintained. Will it change in the future? Will it be something that, you know, the entertainment companies Mm. slowly have to sort of say, well, you know, it's a bit, I'm just curious like where it comes from and whether it will last in the K-pop industry.
1: As you mentioned, uh, Chen and mm. uh, Bobby, you know, to be uh, brutally honest, just boils down to the fact that they don't offer anything that's irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. So if they just disappoint their fan's romantic fantasies, they can just find the next pretty boy face or the next somewhat talented singer right they are not exactly best known for their irreplaceable music quality or their vocals even in korea if an artist um gained success primarily because of you know raw talent no one cares if they're dating really yeah the pararomantic standard applies to a certain type of artist that i just um explained mm-hmm. and i think it is changing. As I mentioned in the article, now a lot of the fans are not saying that, oh, how can my oppa date someone else because that would be delusional. A lot of the times now they're coming up with seemingly more rational reasons to be angry, like, oh, he's causing damage to the team activity. He will be unable to release albums, which damages the team, his career, his fans who rooted for his career, which I think is just an excuse to be rationally angry without coming off as just like a heartbroken fan Mm -hmm. so the the change i would say is that fans are now a bit too ashamed to completely admit that they are mad because of the romantic feelings and hopefully in the future fans really completely realize that this is not a good way to be a fan if you're only a fan of someone just because you like to think you're in a relationship with them you know, seriously reconsider your fanhood. I hope that's the way that fan culture would evolve in Korea. And also for like a lot of the um, fans abroad, too.
0: It's a really interesting point that I think you're making, that once artists get really successful, they're able to grow beyond that and they're able to sort of live their lives and do what they want. And because they would be irreplaceable or or they're, uh, you know, they're so valuable that they're allowed to do that we sort of say the fans need to perhaps reconsider their fanhood would you also say that like it's it's sometimes almost a bit not their fault as well because this is what's pushed at them isn't it as well oh, yeah like it's so it, it's kind of like I do feel a bit not sorry for them that's the wrong word but it's like well they have been given this by other people it's not like they've gone out and pursued it but it's part of the package that they're given
1: mm-hmm. I can say like objectively speaking it is delusional but considering that they're mainly young fans i can't completely blame them because that yeah. is the product that they, they were sold right right i uh, yesterday i wrote about sm entertainment's fan service app so on this app if you pay, pay a fee like a monthly subscription you mm-hmm. get personal messages from the artist right the artist is in fact sending a group message but you just get it on a one-on-one chat room you understand the system yeah yeah, yeah. so you feel like you're having a one-on-one chat with this person and the chats are like oh today's cold you know wear warm clothes and have you eaten what is this if it's not deliberate selling of pararomantic fantasies on the entertainment firm's part so i think you know both sides are in the wrong of this mess that happens when uh, popular celebrities caught dating, sadly.
0: I'm kind of glad that I, I'm i not 14 and 15 with a smartphone, you know, that I miss mm-hmm. because there, but for the grace of God could go me. You know, I could have grown up and I would be in a in a chat room at 14 years old with Vesper or Blackpink or something like that, you know, I, it's, it's just how they grow up. That's the society, perhaps.
1: Right, and um, Will Smith said, you know, you could be stupid and thirsty in private before. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very well said, like Will be. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> amazing i grew up listening to will smith as well he used to be really big um you've, mm-hmm. you've mentioned some of your writing and, and one of the reasons i did want to talk to you because you do do a lot of great writing on this topic and i've i've read your articles and I, I think so you, much. I, I think you do great stuff Haley. when i read a lot of other stuff or when i go through social media a lot of the big media outlets whether it's in english or korean a lot of the reports will just say oh, this week, this group, they broke 100 million views or 50 million views or a billion views. And I i always find this kind of, I don't know, just like sporadic advertising, like it's never actually talking about music or artists, but that mm-hmm. you know, the industry is just devolving into this number game of how many views you can get. Uh What's your take on that? These these reports we get about the number of views dominating a lot of the the conversation,
1: or um, this could be a whole separate talk. But the number of albums sold, because, mm. because that that's also a common topic, right? Yeah. You know, as someone who uh, is in charge of writing those articles on a designated day, because those are short articles that we just kind of tend to take care of. Mm. The real honest reason for any media company, those are the ones that get easy clicks from the super loyal fandoms. Mm-hmm. And I also um, do you censor parts of this
2: uh, i <laughs>
0: i i can or i can't it's just yeah if there's something you uh, want me to
1: i wanted to say that this k-pop industry especially between the fandoms it's kind of become a numbers pissing contest yeah right just you know i i we broke you know 100 million views on youtube in 55 hours and 16 seconds and the fan, the fandom, the certain fandom is just overjoyed. And the other people are like, who's that? Of course, those articles are not the top notch journalism people dedicate their time to write. It's what generates traffic. And it's what keeps the news outlets going. And it's also, um, if I had to name a useful factor of those articles, is that, it helps me actually, personally, kind of keep track of the artist's career. I actually found one a uh, one artist meaningful. It, it, it's actually N hyphen. I hope I'm pronouncing them right when have yep. written about them. Their first week sales for their most recent album was almost three times the first week sales for their previous album, which really indicates like a big growth as an artist's career, yeah. right? And I think that's actually worthy of monitoring as someone who is in charge of writing K-pop in my publication. So I think as an indicator of their career growth, I think it's meaningful. But if we consider, you know, bulk buying and their numbers are staying kind of, you know, the same, we just can guess that it's a result of you know, consistent bulk buying. But if it grew by three times i would say it's worth noticing
0: yeah there's that there's the bulk buying of physical albums and there's the there's the environmental aspect of that as well you know and how that plays out right. what about when i started really seriously looking into to K-pop and and YouTube and views and how it all went down and social media, I started seeing like the guidelines on how to stream. And so you you, you described it sort mm-hmm. of like as a pissing contest between groups, like who can get the most views in the least amount of time. And yeah. when I started seeing all these streaming guidelines and you know videos of people using eight different devices to have these mm-hmm. things going like 24 hours a day.
1: All night when they're
2: yeah, sleeping.
0: Yeah, I was kind of like, wow, it was like, I was seeing something. And, and I also then start thinking about the fan labor involved, you know, that you have these multi-million dollar companies, but all the mm-hmm. work's being done by the fans like this. Do you have any take on this about the sort of passion and the way these things are streamed and the the communities and the guidelines that engage in it?
1: Actually, um, Korea's, I believe, biggest music chart, Melon Chart, yeah. recently, a couple months ago, changed their... Um, standards for keeping tally because of the, that 24-hour streaming issue. I don't know the specific technicalities, but they changed the system that those mass streaming extort the charts a bit less. They changed the names to, I think, 24-hit charts, so it kind of reflects the actual numbers more accurately. So I think Chart did a great job to change the system because if you think about you know fan loyalty and how many traffic they can get, they could have just maintained the system you know, who cares about those teenagers' mental health? But they uh, they changed the system and their criteria because they knew this was a problem. It was almost like a K-pop sweatshop shop mm. of fan labor. And when I actually write those short articles about, let's say, uh, straight kids hit how many million views on YouTube, there's a lot of retweets that, we, uh, that our official Twitter account gets about these fan accounts saying, you know, the fandom name, let's say, ARMY or like this fan club name go share this article retweet it give it a like Mm -hmm. to promote that our group hit 100 million views I mean it's voluntary obviously so I don't have a problem with that but I'm just above all I'm just astonished by the level of loyalty and the Mm -hmm. length they're willing to go because I I haven't been that motivated for anything in a long time, so that motivated. I think it's
0: a really, you should start doing it for the weekend, I think, Hayley. But you're right to say that, you know. He's
1: he's fine without me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he is, he is. But he's, it it is passion and it's loyalty and, and, you know, maybe that's a really good way of looking at it, that they're, you know, very much devoted and I'm sure there would be so many different artists or groups out there that would love to have. You know, a devoted fan base like that sort of looking out for them and backing them up. Maybe it's a positive thing if we frame it like that.
1: They're the people who create the market, right? The ones who are behind all the sales profits that pre-generated last year and this year. When I try to get into the shoes of the fans, when I'm writing an article about these achievements or controversy, it's like divination trying to like, <laughs> uh, do you know that term?
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's been a while since I used it like trying to go back to you know thinking about what the founding fathers were thinking when they wrote the u.s constitution and my way of divination is when i was in middle school i actually um used to collect albums by exo i even bought the mandarin versions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so i so i have to kind of revert back to my middle school self and think You know, what was I thinking when I bought the album, the Mandarin that I don't even understand because I don't see Mandarin with the money that I didn't have. Right. Yeah. And I bought the mini albums. I bought the regular albums, bought the repackaged album. Now, that's an infamous sales tactic in Hmm. the Korean K-pop CD industry. And looking back, I really thought as a fan, I had to own them like as a true fan. That was what made me a true fan. Yeah. And I guess with you know more smartphones and technology, the the list Like the added duties of a true fan is to stream twenty four hours on top of buying the album.
0: Fandom is performative now. It's not enough just to be a fan, but you have to perform the fandom by retweeting and sharing and streaming and things like that. There's a, there's a duty involved in it. When did you stop? Or I don't know. Maybe you still do buy all the EXO sort of repackaged things. But was was there a transition point for you, Haley? Like how did that work? The,
1: the members the members left before I did. The <laughs> I think a sad story. I tell. I actually saw that they're overdosing because I noticed some some members were escaping,
2: mm-hmm.
1: lack of a better term. Buying the album became an indicator of true, you know, performative fanhood. Mm. Um, it was in two thousand eight when TVXQ
2: mm-hmm. released
1: their absolutely legendary album *Neurotic*. Um, I think every Korean, you know, around my age or older knows that song. Uh, So their 2008 album, Merotic, to promote that album, they uh, appeared on a comedy show called Gag Concert, which recently ended, but it was like a two decade old legendary comedy show in Korea. And back in the day when it was a lot more popular, it was basically like a ritual for an actor or a singer to appear when they had a new release coming to promote it. And TVXQ was on it too to promote that album. One of the... They had had this, you know, sharp tongue guy just dissing everyone who was a guest and that was his thing. So no one was offended, even if he said something like really dissing the celebrity. At that time, TVXQ's official fan club's name was um, Cassiopeia, they had 800,000 members. Wow. Official fan club that you have to um, pay a fee. That's impressive, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. And the
1: guy and the comedian whose shtick was just dissing everyone said, if you have 800,000 official fan club members, why did your album Merotic only sell 500,000 albums? <laughs> Probably because 300,000 of them were kids below 14 with, who didn't have enough pocket money. Wow. But that statement is actually considered the turning point that he basically dissed and shamed that the fans who didn't buy the albums weren't your true fans in their face, right?
0: It's more dissing the fans than the band, isn't it? He
1: said it for fun, but I I think a lot of people just don't remember that skit enough to, you know, realize how much he changed the perception of fans on album purchases. He really said it for fun. He probably didn't even know that this was going to cause. Korea's album sales to get this
0: big. It's the first time I've heard that as well. That's a really interesting mm-hmm. story. And so it changes, you know, somebody makes a lighthearted comment and so it's on the gag concert but it it has an effect possibly and it it makes fans reassess what they're doing. Right. We've spoken a little bit about sort of the relationship aspect and uh, the the fandom of it, the success. You've also um, I, I think you you've touched on it in your work in your writing as well the 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 mental health aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Suicide is such a huge problem in South Korea, broadly across societies. Not in not just in specific industries, but the the rates are right. off the chart, and it's a, it's a number one cause of death amongst young people. It's such a tragic thing to write and research about sometimes.
2: It, and it uh, is
0: mental disturbing. health. Yeah, it is. And I, I wish there was more sort of focus on it. You know, there's still a lot of euphemisms used in the press, like extreme choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but even doing media spots, I've had sort of Korean people phone in to the radios and the TVs and say, I think that in Korea, we shouldn't talk about it, because people will look down on you if you talk about mental health. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was surprised by their reactions to that. And it seems to be coming more and more prevalent in, in K-pop, right, the idea right. of those what, What's your take on that? What, why is it coming out there? Why are people talking about it? Is it being successful?
1: There's been this long discussion in Korean society that in terms of death numbers, COVID is a joke compared to the suicide epidemic. And yeah. you worded it perfectly, you know, the word extreme choice. Well, first of all, it is not a goddamn choice. We, we never say someone was suffering from cancer and chose to die. Mm. Right. It is, it is not a choice. It is a result of an illness. And I think the media glosses over it with a lot of euphemism. And just like any other social issue, I think when celebrities are involved, it usually starts the social dialogue. Actually, the most recent article I wrote on K-pop was Sunny recently speaking out about her mental health. In that article, I quoted a pop culture critic who mentioned the 2019 suicide of singer Sully as the crucial turning point mm-hmm. of the mental health dialogue, at least in the entertainment business. Not really for the general public yet because they're still ashamed their job and their the people around them still stigmatize them but at least for showbiz I think her suicide and then Kuhara and then a year b- shortly before with a bit less awareness um Jonghyun of Shiny. yeah all those happening with within about a year I believe just it, it it's more visible when celebrities commit suicide and it's on the on the news when someone around you, just normal people, commit suicide, it, it doesn't make it on the news, and it's not visible. Therefore, it does not start a dialogue. Three really famous people taking their own lives in a year's span—I think that really shocked people. It really made it tangible to to the Korean public how serious of an issue this is. Especially when a lot of the Koreans think, "Oh, mental health is a problem that will be solved if you just have." Um, enough money if I get a job, if I get that promotion. And these celebrities who seem like seem like they had it all in these fancy houses with the perfect career, and they killed themselves. And I think that's what really was the turning point for the Korean public to realize that it's not all in your head it's actually a serious mental it's a sickness it's a mental illness
0: yeah and 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 perhaps the answer is not just nolyok or effort which is sometimes you know used in (laughs) korean society right but but it's more that you know if if you have physical pain you go to a doctor and if you have mental issues Mm -hmm. then you you go and get it checked and it's not a it's not something that should be ashamed of. Right. I, I've been I've been rather impressed to see uh, certain K-pop artists or people, you know, actually coming out and addressing these things and saying they're taking a break mm-hmm. or that they're dealing with things. Um, I think Lee Hyun has been doing it as well recently. So I, I think it, it, it's a really good sign because they're saying things that aren't really being said by other people, politicians. Yeah. And so I guess what I want to ask you here is should maybe should is the wrong word, but it's about values and K-pop stars. Now for like, we often kind of assume that K-pop is often valueless. You know, you've got to keep your political political opinions quiet or your morality or your values and
1: right completely neutral
0: completely neutral because you don't want to upset fans you might have fans in japan Mm -hmm. or china and you can't we've seen all the stories right and the apologies that comes with nationalism but
1: you can't even say women and men are equal anymore apparently (laughs) you
0: can't say you can't say taiwan's a a country either apparently if you have jyp you
1: can't even wave the taiwanese flag it is insane
0: yeah um so but I just wonder with the position that they have and and the effect that, that they could have on discussions like mental health, should we be asking them or should mm-hmm. we be sort of pointing them to do a little bit more or it's it's not their role?
1: You know, what I what I was actually shocked about last year in response to that is that, you know, the question is do they have this social responsibility like yeah. you know, corporate social responsibility, stuff like that, right? Yeah. What shocked me was last year, BTS, I think. Spoke and funded really openly about Black Lives Matter, which is obviously a very important cause. Yeah. And I honestly, I think the reason that they sponsored that first, and they still haven't. No Korean celebrity really has officially, you know, promoted mental health awareness. I think they're only allowed to speak on issues that seem so detached and foreign from Korean issues or mm. surrounding countries. You know. It's wrong to say that there's no Black people in Korea, but statistically speaking, it's the number is very small, too small to affect any kind of debate in Korea politically, right? or in surrounding countries in Asia, uh, like China or Japan. So in retrospect, I, I think it kind of means that the only is- issues that Korean celebrities are allowed to talk about is something so detached, In other words, it doesn't really affect anything in Korea, to be honest. And it would be great if they speak on more, she's like domestic violence, child abuse, mental health, that is actually affecting the everyday lives of Koreans in Korea. But at the same time, I can't force them to do anything. I mean, they are famous, but that's the result of their talent and hard work. And maybe they didn't want to be famous. Maybe they just wanted to make music and money. So I can't condemn them for not speaking out on those issues, but right. I can't say for sure it would be great if they do and it would be really effective.
0: I think that's a really good position to take. Yeah, we we can't force them to do. And I completely agree that the positions that they do sometimes take are generally external, outside of Korea and in In English, perhaps, (laughs) rather than in Korean related to domestic Korean issues, because then it becomes politicized, right? Whether it's, you know, uh, whether it would be abortion or women's rights or mental health or anti-discrimination, LGBT in Korea, that's where K-pop is still very neutral, isn't it? For the most part. And that's on them. That's their choice. Their hard work and effort has got them where they, they are. And so, yeah, if that's their choice, I guess that's what it is. I guess
1: it's the firm's choice, to be very honest. I'm sure the individuals, as human beings, they must have opinions. It's just that they're not really allowed to.
0: Yeah, and that 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 becomes part when you're in in an entertainment company, I guess, and then you, you you're bound by certain rules and regulations, right? Yeah, but still, I I just want to keep that little bit of positivity that I have seen that mm-hmm. discussion on mental health in K-pop, and I think oh, that's yeah, a really yeah. good thing. Where else do you see good things in, in K-pop, Hayley? So we've we've touched on a few sort of elements that might seem critical, or you know we're doing that, but where else do you see goodness and positivity and great things in in the industry or in the music?
1: First thing that comes to mind actually goes hand in hand with um, misunderstandings about Mm K-pop. I think as K-pop gains popularity abroad, there's also a a better awareness that comes with it as well as the haters. Mm -hmm. Um, What came to mind was that there was uh, this uh, prejudice or stereotype that all these K-pop artists are Manufactured and uh, created as opposed to, you know, independent, free spirited Western artists. Mm-hmm. And actually, Dr. Phil mentioned this um, openly on a show. It wasn't his intent, like the main point of the, sk- um, the show was not to bash on BTS. In a segment, he actually mentioned that these aren't real people, these are manufactured images. But actually, everyone in showbiz has a manufactured image. That's what celebrity and showbiz is about, isn't it? Mm -hmm. that was what i thought. so to pinpoint k-pop artists as these passive personality less manufactured beings i think honestly it is you know basically rooted in racism that is the biggest explanation Mm -hmm. that can explain the situation and as k-pop grows in popularity especially bts topping a lot of the charts in the west i think they're helping solve this misunderstanding because it's well known that they produce a lot of their own songs. They you know release remixes, lyrics, and um, songwriting. And also a recent incident was a collaboration with Megan Thee Stallion and BTS on their song Butter recently. And uh, I, I don't know how much you followed the story, but actually Megan Thee Stallion's agency was against this collaboration because they thought it wouldn't help her career. So they So Megan wanted to do it, and her agency was holding her back.
0: I would fire that agency. That agency
2: knows nothing. Right, I mean, mean, Megan can do whatever
1: she wants. Megan, you you can't stop Megan Thee Stallion, (laughs) right? And at the same time, it turned out actually HYBE, BTS's Korean management firm, was the one who was the most respectful and protective of their artists. So it completely was against the the stereotype that the Western agency is the one letting the artists, be completely free and creative Mm -hmm. and these Asian K-pop agencies are the ones controlling manufacturing these fake personality-less non-artists right that was like a switcheroo so I I think as you know BTS the fact that BTS has a lot of agency over their music career and their um, activities gets known as their songs become popular you know naturally they come hand in hand I think it breaks these stereotypes that these K-pop artists are basically what I, what I just said, you know, non-human individuals, personalityless, you know, just created images, which is um, rooted in racism in my opinion.
0: I think there are definitely people inside the K-pop industry that are doing exactly what you say, they're, they're breaking these images, they're breaking the stereotypes mm-hmm. through, through what they're doing. I mean, and that's a really good thing. Will it, you've mentioned bts a couple of times um and and their achievements their collaborations with different artists topping the billboards and all the things that they've done is there something that comes after bts because you know when you're in the moment it always feels Mm -hmm. like this is the pinnacle this is the alpha and omega this is everything and i I, i'm I'm just wondering like is there something that comes after i mean they're gonna have to contend with military service and all these other things that go on right what comes after that is there another step what's the next step from that hayley
1: you know if i had the answer to that the stock market would hire me <laughs> Yeah.
2: You no, know,
1: actually, BTS is so big of a phenomenon. The Korean stock market is just so obsessed about their future endeavors. Right. Mm-hmm. What happens if they go to the military? And especially high stock prices are you know skyrocketing. But the only, uh, no offense to Tomorrow by Together, but the only like internationally phenomenal act they have is BTS. So the it's like a million dollar question. If I knew that, I would be on wall street actually the reason that i want to continue covering this specific field of k-pop is actually i personally want to know what happens after bts
2: right yeah me too
1: even if bts you know this um, like this mega powerhouse goes to the military i don't think the other fans of the you know the the relatively smaller fans are going to completely disappear one day so i was thinking maybe um it's going to turn into a more dissipated grassroots type of fan activity culture.
0: I really get where you're coming from on when you're saying that you wanna see where it goes. And me too, because the support and the interest in K-pop is genuine. Like with all the international students, they're not lying when they, when they love this thing. All around the world, people are, are digging into it. And I don't know where the story goes and I, I don't know how it ends or where it ends or what comes next. So I, I'm with you, I, I'm really interested to see how it plays out as a cultural movement and it's right. more than a cultural movement to people that are living it you know it's real life and it's also the success of their country and the pride and everything like that so there's so many things tied up into it um mm-hmm. are there, any things in like the next generation you mentioned a bit of sort of em um, hyphen we, we've sort of touched on esper they seem to be doing all right recently they' they're trying this I like their songs actually
1: um oh, actually it's a guilty pleasure yeah. <laughs> the uh
0: the, the savage one and the next level, next level was a bit of a remix from the old the 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 old old song but you know i i I think they're doing some interesting stuff they're toying with the metaverse idea aren't they and these sort of computer alter egos what's your take on that
1: right i mean i think it's definitely meaningful that they're doing something that um, is really original Mm -hmm. i'm still skeptical about how much of a role that plays in their popularity because as far as I've heard from people around me and online, I think they they can still be popular or even more popular without those AIs. No, really, there's like complaints that these AIs like never change clothes because it actually costs too much for the graphics team. Mm-hmm. And the members dance better. So the, the avatars dancing next to them is just a really bad comparison.
0: They look terrible, don't they? They look yeah,
1: like a honestly, PlayStation Espa, game. From, yeah, yeah. Espa, I think Espa will be just as successful, if not more so, without the um, avatars. I don't know about the metaverse concept because it is a very unique thing that, you know, sucks you into the storyline, although it could act as an entry barrier.
0: Yeah, it could, and it, it opens up possibilities. But I'm with you on those computer graphics. I mean, I I, I saw them in the, in the latest one, and it, it looks like sort of old PlayStation graphics from about 20 years ago. It looks really clunky, and I was surprised by how how bad it looked in relation to the music and their dancing and their outfits. Everything else was tight. But
2: right, the... At least
1: change clothes. For the <laughs> yeah. of God. I mean, everyone's wearing pure white and they're in pur- purple and like this hobo look. What? At
0: least they're doing something. At least there's changing. And, and, you know, we mentioned sort of about BTS. They went through quite a few different changes before they hit on the successful model, right? That it takes a while for groups, I guess, to hit their stride and find out what works. Yeah.
1: I think, Savage is extremely consistent with Black Mamba, which relatively compared to like Next Level and Savage, it was, re- Black Mamba wasn't really met with a lot of positive reviews.
2: Mm-hmm, right.
1: But but their concept hasn't changed. They stuck to it. and They stuck to the storyline. And I think, uh, I think they've actually been doing their own thing until they got noticed rather than changing it.
0: Yeah, that persistence and consistency might be key. It's sometimes more the music and it's more than and it's more than the successes but it's what it gives to the people that you know it's promoting awareness of the country and the culture and I I try to empathize with that as much as I can like I I speak to you know I'm a bit older I speak to older people and they're like I don't like BTS's music but I'm really happy for them and it makes me proud and there's that sense like, I mean because if Dua Lipa is like crushing the charts or Ed Sheeran or Coldplay I don't feel a sense of like uk pride in that right so but in korea right. it seems a little bit different and i think that's something that should be like you know at least acknowledged and i try to support that do you get that do you get that sense that you know it's this a sense of pride in the the success
1: yeah it's like a, a success of a group project and yeah. what you mentioned i think the us and the uk especially those two countries they're you know really used to dominating the world quite literally sometimes
2: yeah
1: actually i think when uh, non non-us or non-uk singer performs really well on billboard i swear i could i did see some examples of that country being really um happy. this this doesn't have anything to do with showbiz but remember when um slovenia like made a statue of melania trump
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and kind of like that like when you're not used to your country receiving any kind of spotlight anyone from your country gets remotely famous and you know it's like yes success national hero melania trump but let's make a statue anyway <laughs> i wrote in my notes about um halu and i think that is the term that really summarizes everything that you said about k-pop being more than the music it's the mm. language it's the aesthetic it's somehow also the um, social atmosphere and social values of korea whether it's good or bad Mm. Right, it's like a um, it's like a total experience. I, I think really the best the best metaphor to compare it to is what um, Paris used to or still stands for. Right, it's more about it's more about just French food, fashion, language, chanson, uh, or um, the city, the architecture. Those aren't popular just for the individual aspects. Right, it's mm-hmm. the total experience that Paris has and also symbolizes. You know, in theory. So I think K-pop is kind of like that, it's, like, um, uh, it's more than the sum of its parts, to put it short.